How are we? Kind of all went quiet on me. You're all waiting for me to say something. That's rare that it's quiet when I've got the microphone. <laughs> That's good. We um, just want you to close your eyes for a minute. You know, there's no, uh, there's no music on. I just want you to reflect on the love of God right now for you. Just think about it. How he treats you, not as your sins deserve, because of Christ. His thoughts to you are thoughts of love, because his love is it's unconditional. There are no conditions to it. doesn't matter what you did this week. His love for you has not changed at all. It hasn't moved an inch. It's still active and powerful. So just, just let your heart come into alignment right now with His love. Just let your heart be changed by his love. Thank you, Lord. As we were praying this morning, I got the, the, the verses from Isaiah 61, verse 7. It says, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. I think that's for someone today, that instead of shame, because you know you can, you can open your eyes, you can look at me, that's fine. You're all like wondering, how long do I have to close my eyes for? This is getting awkward. Is the person next to me opening, my, opening their eyes yet? Because <laughs> you can come to service on a Sunday, you can come to the house of God and you can be struggling and there can be this tension of shame because of what might have happened to you during the week or what you might have done to somebody else during the week. And, uh, you know, you can kind of be like, how could God possibly accept me today? You know, blah, blah, blah. How could people accept me? Uh, and there can be this wrestling that happens. But you need to know when you wake up Sunday morning and when you wake up Monday morning and every other morning that His love for you is real and it's tangible and it's not based on how you've acted. It's not based on how you've performed because this, is, this, isn't, this isn't a performance. This is a relationship. And His relationship to you is based on His love for you, which you can't change because it's all up to Him. So uh, instead of shame, we get a double portion, a double portion of His love, double portion of His grace, a double portion of Him, you know. God's like, well, you did that really bad stuff. No worries. Not only am I going to forgive you, but I'm going to love on you in a, in a way that you're going to experience double the measure of what you have in the past. So, and a few of you are like, oh, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about double. That's because double is activated by faith. So you just got to trust Him and believe it and then just start to walk in it. So anyway, that's good. So when you encounter God's love, it just changes everything. It changes your MO. I love this. It changes your MO. It changes your mode of operation. It changes how you look at everything else. I feel like I'm, you know, from NCIS or something. <laughs> MO. You know, what's, what's that guy's MO? You know, what's his mode of operation? What is your heart motivation? You know? Because you can go to work tomorrow or uni tomorrow or stay at home with the kids tomorrow and your mode of operation, you know, whatever your default is, it's going to come out. It's going to happen. It's, your mode of operation is going to happen to everyone around you, you know. I'll tell you a story a little, in a little while about my mode of operation on Tuesday and Monday and how different they were. You know, Pastor Jez said last week that Jesus is the yardstick. He is the measurement. He is the, he is the one, right? He is the one that we look to and we have to measure by. And uh, Jamie Fay at Central Campus, you've got to hear that message as well. Oh my gosh, 
get onto the app and, uh, or get onto the podcast, which is on the website, and listen to Jamie's message from last week. It'll blow your mind. <clears throat> Incredible. Jamie said, we look to the Father as our standard, unaffected by others and unaffected by circumstance. So I'm not meant to love Jess according to the circumstances around me or even according to how Jess treats me. I'm, I'm, I need to love Jess according to how the Father loves me, right? Because the Father, is his, his love is unaffected by circumstance. His love is unaffected by how you treat him. He still loves you, right? So we look to the Father. I love it. It's so good. Love is not what we do, it's who we are, because we're being transformed into His likeness, right? So uh, I'm going to be here for a while, for about 20 minutes, and then Simon Ashley is about to arrive any minute now, hopefully, uh, from Central Campus. Otherwise, I can just keep talking, which you know I can do, uh, but hopefully he's going to come soon, and uh, he's uh, going to be launching something that we as a whole church are about to walk into right now, and I'm really excited for it. Um, so, so this morning, in my 20 minutes, let's talk about what it means to love like Jesus. Let's go a little bit further in this, in this concept. So we've been looking at the scripture from John chapter 13, which uh, says a new command. Jesus says, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Okay, so the Old Testament said, love your neighbor as yourself. So there's a problem with that in that if I don't love myself, well, I can't love my neighbor. I'm not going to be very loving to people if I don't actually have a healthy respect and love for me. That sounds a bit narcissistic, doesn't it? But it's not. You need to love and respect yourself before you're really able to love the people around you. But Jesus is changing the playing field. Jesus is changing everything right here. And he says, no, uh, no, 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 hang on a minute. You've heard what it said. Now I tell you, love each other as I have loved you. Like, okay, way to up the ante. Like, how hard is that? You know, love each other as I have, uh, love each other without condition, with extravagance, not based on how they treat you, not, not based on your circumstance or your situation, just love the person around you. Like, here's a word that Pastor Jez got for us this week. The word she had was awakening. Awakening in the area of loving each other. I've got it word for word here. I want to speak it over us. She said, the word I want to speak over us is that as a people, we would be awakened. God is on the move. God is bringing a change. It's a change to our hearts and minds that is centered on love. He is causing an awakening for those who will submit themselves to him and allow him to speak to their innermost places to bring fresh revelation. He is awakening us to the schemes of the enemy, opening our eyes to that which he has stolen and disrupted and misused. Awaken to those that we have taken offense from and who we have offended. Awaken to the gossip and the slander that we pass as insignificant. Awaken to no longer operate in a place of hurt or mistrust or apathy to a place where we are aware of the motivations of our hearts and can readjust and realign that which is not rooted in love. God is opening the eyes of our heart and as he does for those who are willing, he will completely transform how we see other people, how we look at them and ultimately how we love them. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The end of the word says, His will for us to love. Is, for, is to love. His will is that we would love as Jesus loves. That's, that's an awesome word, isn't it? 
flip. So um, one thing that's important for us to say at the outset is that God does not condemn you for not loving in the past. He doesn't condemn you. Romans 8 verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's one of the best scriptures on the planet, right? It's like, wow, come on. That's so good. So don't hear any condemnation from the words that God speaks to you today because he's not condemning you. But sometimes we can get, you know, the preacher gets up, right? And you can go, oh gosh, I just feel all condemned now. That's not God, that's the enemy. Because the enemy wants to silence what God wants to say through condemnation. That's another whole message, isn't it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that one down. <laughs> I just kind of came out. All right. So, uh, so let's talk about uh, who to love. Because there's a, there's a whole bunch of scriptures and uh, stories that Jesus tells about loving your neighbor, right? And um, so we're going to read from, where are, we, where are we reading from? Luke chapter 10. So I'm going to go to Luke chapter 10. Here we go. I'm already there. Beat you. Uh, Jesus tells a parable when he is asked by a lawyer, he's asked by a lawyer, okay, who is my neighbor? The lawyer, it says here, the lawyer actually wants to justify himself. Because Jesus says, well, uh, the guy asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit into eternal life? And Jesus says, what's written in the law? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so Jesus says, yes, you've done that right. And says, and then he goes back to, to Jesus and says, well, who's my neighbor? In the message translation, it says the lawyer was trying to find a loophole. So he asks Jesus, well, then who's my neighbor? Okay, so, uh, and that's what we can do. We can say to, 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 to God, well, hang on a minute, who really, uh, uh, you, you can't expect me to love everyone, so clearly, who is my neighbor, really, right? Hi, Simon, good to have you with us, mate. I'm so glad you turned up. I really, really am glad that you turned up, buddy, because I got like 20 minutes worth here, so, uh, yeah. So Jesus tells a parable uh, of the Good Samaritan, right? You, you, might, you may have heard it. And he tells this story about a man who is beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road, okay? And, and a few people walk up and, and walk by, and, and all, the, all the Jews are there listening to Jesus. And he says, okay, so the first guy who walks up is a priest. And he looks at the guy, and then he keeps walking, and I can imagine all of the people listening to the, to the story are like, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. No, 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 Jesus, you got the story wrong because the priest doesn't keep walking. The priest is the guy who stops and helps. And Jesus is like uh, continuing on, ignoring all of their thoughts and, and whatever. He's like, and then a Levite, so a person who has been consecrated and set apart for the work of God, for the work of the Lord, of Yahweh, he walks through sees the guy who's been beaten up and then continues on, on and doesn't, doesn't stop to help. And I'm, I, can, I can see all the people going, no, 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 Jesus, you're getting the story wrong. Because it, the priest helps and the Levite helps and Jesus moves on, right? And then he says, uh, and now comes a Samaritan. And I can imagine the people going, you, you don't even know what story you're telling, man. Like, you got this all wrong. Because the Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. So if you, if you were going to walk to Wollongong, all right? Anyone ever been to Wollongong? Amazing city. I was born there, all right? So, so it's awesome, right? So now if you were going to walk to Wollongong, it would take you several days. But you're probably going to go through Sydney. Because to, 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 to go around Sydney to get to Wollongong, well, that's just ridiculous. That's going to take you forever. But this is what the Jews used to do. They would have to go to a certain place, but oh, hang on a minute, Samaria is in the middle. So we're going to go all the way around Samaria to get to our destination. That's like walking to Wollongong and going around Sydney because you hate people who live in Sydney. 
That's how much the Jews hated Samaritans. That's how much the Samaritans hated the Jews. They didn't like them. They hated them. They were like, you guys don't, the Jews are like, Samaritans, you do not follow Judaism in its truest form. We hate you. And now Jesus brings a Samaritan into the story. And he says this, where are we? We're going to start at verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. (laughs) He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, that's money, and gave them to the innkeeper. And look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. The Samaritan gives the innkeeper his credit card details. And says, any other expenses, put it on my account. A Samaritan is doing this to a Jew. Everyone is dumbfounded. Wondering what Jesus has been smoking that morning. (laughs) Then it says in verse 36, Who of these three, Jesus said, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert on the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So good. So the lawyer comes to Jesus and says, who, who is my neighbor? And Jesus flips the entire question back on him. And instead of saying, well, this is your neighbor or this is your neighbor, Jesus says, who is being a neighbor? And you're like, that's a bit of semantics. It's really not. Because the lawyer's trying to get out of loving the person right in front of him. And Jesus is telling a story about a Samaritan who should have have been the one who walks past the beaten up guy on the side of the road, the guy who's left for dead. But the Samaritan took, took care of him and loved him just because the Samaritan was being the neighbor to the guy. The expert in the law is like, oh man, go and do likewise. (laughs) Awesome. It's not who is my neighbor, because everyone is your neighbor. The person who is in front of you at whatever point in time is your neighbor. Whether that is your spouse or your kids, whether that is your physical next door neighbor, whether that's anybody. See, Jesus doesn't want you to, uh, to be focusing on who is the neighbor so you can kind of find any loopholes in the system. Jesus isn't wanting you to be looking for loopholes in the Word of God or anything. He just wants you to look at your own heart. He wants you to look at your own state of how, how am I behaving? How am I treating the person who's directly in You know what I hate the most? I hate it when someone uh, that I'm having dinner with at a restaurant or someone who's near me treats the waitress or the waiter with disrespect. I want to punch him in the nose at that at that point in time. I'm offending so many people today. What was Jesus smoking, punching people on the nose? It's all good. I love that you have so much grace for me. Um, but you know what I mean? You know, people who just treat, I love, and this is what I really liked about President Obama, is that he treated the cleaner with the same respect as he treated his, his staff, like his top-level staff. That was awesome. So the question is not, do I like this person? Do they follow the rules enough? Are they a Christian? Do they follow the Bible? These aren't the conditions that I have to run through before I will love somebody. But yet, how much do we do that? Oh, that person's a bit weird. I don't think I have to love them. That person obviously isn't following the Bible, so I probably don't have to love them. Uh, Sorry, are you being a neighbor to them? It's not about who they are. It's about who you are. It's about, am I aligning with God? Am I filled with His love? Am I releasing His love? The lawyer's trying to get out of it everyone's my neighbor, including my 
physical, cranky old neighbor who lives next to my house. She's my neighbor. Okay, the Indian guy at the 7-Eleven in Cardiff who knows my name, he's my neighbor. Okay, the girl who takes my order at Fifi La Femme for my coffee every Wednesday, she, she's my neighbor. Everybody, the punk kid who drew, rides his bike down my, down, uh, every now and then down my street and looks at me weird and I wave at him, he's my neighbor. <laughs> Sometimes he even waves back. No joke, he's like, He's my neighbor. The person in front of me, the person next to me, anywhere around me, that person is my neighbor. So, but am I being a neighbor to them? Whoa. So the more I'm transformed by God, right, the more I'm just naturally going to love the people in front of me. So Monday, right? Monday I get to work. Oh, story time. I wasn't a very good neighbor on Monday really, really wasn't, because one of the staff uh, who was there, I won't be mentioning any names, uh, not that any of you know any of these people, but, so he, he, he totally let me down, fully let me down, and I've been slowly becoming frustrated with this guy and this other guy, there's two, there's two of them at work, <laughs> both of them, they both work to the same, <laughs> double portion, you're right. I need one portion for this guy and one portion for this guy. <laughs> right. And I'm just getting repeat like week after week. I'm like, guys, really, come on. How incompetent can you really be? Like, how much of a jerk can you be? Uh, you know, how childish can... You know what I can't stand is man, a man-child. I'm sorry. I can't handle it. Men who act like children... Men who are in their 40s, 50s, 30s, who still act like kids. I go, really? It only takes you that much to get offended? Are you serious? You know, some of the things I want to say to these guys, it's, it's obviously the Lord preventing me from saying any of those things. But Monday, I had a really bad attitude, okay? Even after Pastor Jez had just preached that awesome word last week, I get to work and I'm like, whatever, whatever. And I'm fobbing this guy off. Yeah, you let me down, whatever, whatever. I wasn't saying any of this. It was just all in my spirit, you know? I'm being polite on the outside. Mm, yeah, I'm being polite. On the inside, I'm like, you, you're a jerk. You, come on, I don't want any part to do with this. And so the Lord worked on me on Monday night. And Tuesday is the, uh, is the other guy's day to be on. And I'm like, oh, great. The only two days I'm at work and I've got this idiot to deal with on this day and this guy to deal with, and, oh, this is fantastic. So I get to work on Tuesday and God goes, how are you going to behave today? I'm just going to turn love on. So I did. So the other guy who frustrates me as much as the other guy, I get to work and I'm like, I'm just going to love him. It doesn't mean I have to take responsibility for him. It just means I got to love him. So I was listening and kind. <laughs> because Beck and I have realized that kindness costs you nothing. Kindness is free. So I was kind and helpful and generous. And I even did stuff for him that I didn't have to do. That was his job. And he's like, oh, I was getting to that. I was getting to that. I'm like, no, man, it's cool. I just want to help. Oh, thanks. <laughs> he was freaking out because I, my attitude to him has been slowly declining. But then I turned love on. I decided to love the, my neighbor instead. Turn love on. Jesus is on the cross. He's been, he's been brutally bashed and whipped and nailed to a cross, right? And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know, that is incredible love. That, that's the kind of love that we're talking about. Loving people. 
I, I have way more than 20 minutes here, but I'm going to let you come up in about two. Is that all right? Awesome. Awesome. It seems really overwhelming to say you've got to love like Jesus loves. But I can start somewhere. I can start small. I can change the way I think. I can ask the Father, what are you, what do you think about these people? What do you think about that person? It might be your own son or daughter who is driving you up the wall. Some of you have got, old, some of you got older kids. I just deal with my kids because they, they live in my household. But some of you have got older kids and maybe they're the ones doing your head in. What does God say about them? What does God say about that person at work or your actual next door neighbor? You know? And then even, even in the moment, we can, we can hear the father say something about the person. It's about intimacy with the father. You know, while I'm at the coffee shop, that's like in the moment. Maybe the father wants me to do something. He might not want me to get up and declare some prophetic word or be really weird in the coffee shop. Don't do that. That's, that's odd. But he might want me to actually ask them how they're going. Or he might say there's an issue with their father right now. Just tell him you're going to pray for their dad. Oh, all right. Hey, um, this is going to sound really weird, but I just felt, is there something going on with your dad? Do you mind if I pray for that later on? Whoa. Having an intimacy with God that, that helps you to love the people around you. Just doing what the Father's doing. It comes back to what we we're talking about, about Jesus, right? Jesus just saw what the Father was doing and he did that. And that's, that's the same with us. Having an intimacy with God so that I can love the people around me. Love them so I can treat them with grace. Love them so that I can show them that they're valuable, that they're significant. Love them so that I can stand up for them when they've been treated unjustly. Love them so they can just experience the goodness of God. Love them so I will actually pray for people behind the scenes when I tell them I'm going to pray for them. And Simon's going to come up and talk to us about this super awesome thing, mate, that we are going to launch today. And um, I know you've been working so hard on this, mate, and it's just, it's such an honour, you know, such a, an honour to you guys and your team as to how you have brought it all to this point and how we're going to be transformed as a church going forward. So why don't you come up, mate? Can you put our hands together for Simon, Ashley? Thank you. How are we all? It is really exciting to be here and um, um, it's been a long journey as Darren said but um, God is good and he is certainly orchestrating something in us and through us that we're really excited to release today for you. Oh thank you. I do need a book too if that's all right. Um, so I just want to share a little bit of the journey with you first though because God has been doing some really great stuff in us as a team um, and it's, this is the Influence the City team, so we're part of the vision of our church. Um, Keith has said, we want, we want you to come up with something to help us as a community influence the city. And that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, wow, well, where do you start with that? And I'm like, God, oh, where do you start with that? And if you had have asked me two years ago that um, I would have been talking about love, I would have just laughed at it and said, oh, look, love's been overdone in the church. Look, we all know about love. We've got to love this and do that and God's love. And yeah, I got it. I know. I know about love. Um, but really, what God has shown me is that his love is so high that it is divine. And when you think about what divine love is, it is not natural. It is not what we know. It's not humanly. It is beyond our comprehension. It is beyond our understanding. And we could delve into the divinity of love and what that looks like for the rest of our lives and only ever be scratching the surface of what that truly means. 
and it is just so big, but yet his love is so deep that it, it can be found in the very pit of hell where the worst of the worst stuff is happening. You know, he can be found in that place, not affected by it, but bringing love into that very place in that very moment. Yet his love is as wide as the east is from the west and we cannot even comprehend the width of that and the, uh, and the enormity of what that actually looks like and what that means. But allowing that to just sit on your spirit and allowing God to help you understand that and comprehend that could, again, that could take you the rest of the life to really comprehend what that looks like. And then there's the breadth of his love. And the thing that God's been showing me just recently is that a d- divine love on earth. How does that look? How can we see the breadth of his love outworked in the world around us? And it's only his love in us that can go through us that can do that. But allowing him to do that truly is just mind-boggling. And it's a journey that I've been on that's just, um, it's been breathtaking, to be honest, and really surprised me. And it's funny how when you go on a journey, you think, oh, you sort of know where the destination is. Well, God has actually completely taken me on a completely different path. And I've ended up in a place And we as a team have ended up in a place that we never actually thought we'd end up at. And I want to share that with you just briefly before we launch uh, this new initiative for you. So I know we've been talking about John 13, 34, the new commandment that I give to you. So if if, if you've got your Bibles, if you just want to flick to there. And as you're flicking there, the one... Three things that's really important that there's three elements to God's love. There's God's love for me, which is the Father's love. And, and that's where it starts from, because we only love because he first loved us. Love comes from no other place but from him. Secondly, it's the love in me. And as we learn to understand his love and grapple with that, it can truly change who we are. But then it's the love through me, and that's that breadth of his love out into the world around us, that... That some, like sometimes we can hang on to it ourselves, but God wants us to release it to the world and to release his hands and his feet and his love to the community around us. So that's what John 13, 34 is talking about. A new commandment that I give to you, to love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, as you have loved one for another. Now, that's an incredibly powerful scripture. But what I want to do is I just want to look at the context because sometimes when we understand where something's come from and the context of that, yeah. it adds so much more to what that scripture is or what that, that scripture or whatever it is is actually saying to us. So I want to look at the context just for a moment. So if you've got your Bibles there, John 13, go back to verse 1. Because this is where it all starts for this scripture. And it says, It was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. So the cross was imminent. It's these last moments with the disciples. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And I just want to stop there for a minute because we could just read over that and forget something really important, that love continues to the end. His love continues to the end. And this story is actually an incredible illustration or demonstration of his love to the end. But oftentimes we get to a place where it doesn't feel good or you know oh that they said this or did that as Darren was just saying and then our love stops we stop our love and we pull back and Jesus love never ended we got to the end and is unconditional and for us to grapple with that is such an important understanding of what love is because it we don't change by what's going on around us his love in us and through us finishes it it completes the work it doesn't just stop halfway because of what's happening around us so the story continues on that jesus he was sitting at the table and i'm just going to paraphrase this for you so he gets up off the table and he goes and grabs a bowl puts a bit of water in the bowl then he goes and grabs a cloth and he does the most incredible thing the messiah he is the creator of the earth he bends down and he starts to wash peter's feet now peter is a man he loves. He's about to anoint Peter to take on the ministry that he's begun on this earth. So he loves this man and this man loves him deeply. Then he goes to John. John is the apostle of love. He loved Jesus. He was probably one of the the, the dearest to Jesus. And Jesus just loved him with everything and so did John. And so he bows down and he washes John's feet. Then James, who's part of the three, one of the significant three in that group, he bows down and he washes just incredible to think that the, the creator of the earth would do such a thing. But then he comes to Judas Iscariot. 
And Judas is already in his heart betrayed Jesus. And you could be, Jesus could be excused in this moment of being upset, offended, uh, worried about all the things that have just happened. I mean, all the incredible things I've just been through the last three years. I mean, he's sowed into this man, he's given everything for this person, and yet now he's about to stab him in the back and do one of the worst possible things you can do to a close friend, betray his very, this very man. And yet Jesus does not even break stride, does not even stop, and does exactly the same thing. He bows down and he washes Judas's feet. And that's just an incredible picture of what the completion, going, taking love to the very end, no matter what. Unconditional love. And then the story goes on and he washes the rest of the disciples' feet. He gets back up to the table and he starts to talk. And in verse 21, he gets troubled in his spirit because Judas is about to betray him. And so here, Jesus, we see that, yes, this still does really affect Jesus. It's, it's not as though it's just this simple thing. It truly does affect his mindset. But yet, um, and he goes, someone's going to betray me. And then Peter, as Peter does, goes, hey, John, because he doesn't want to ask Jesus himself, John, can you ask Jesus who it is? And Jesus grabs a piece of bread, says, where I dip this and who I give it to will betray me. And he gives it to Judas. And then we go to verse 31, and this is what I want you to see. When he had gone, Jesus said. So in the context of this very moment in history, one of the most significant moments in Christendom, Judas betrayed Jesus. And in that very moment, you would have, look, I, I don't know about you, but when I get upset, I, I go on my bike, I put on the highest gear I can, I find the biggest hill I can, and I flog myself up that hill as fast as I can just to get out the anger and the frustration when something's happened to you. Or you, you might box, or you might go for a run, or you might go into a quiet corner, whatever it is. When something happens, you can, you know, you sometimes need a moment. You need just to get it out. J Judas has just left. When he had left, Jesus said those very words, a new commandment I give to you, to love one another. When you understand the context of the very moment, there's so much power in those words that have been said because everything that was going on was significant. But there's something really important that I want you to see. is The disciples, as you, as you read that story, they really didn't have a clue what was happening. Like, they just sometimes they just miss it, don't they? They just go straight over their heads. But Jesus didn't highlight the fact that Judas has gone and correct their wrong thinking at that moment and go, oh, look, Judas has just left and look at that and, and highlight what was going on. No, Jesus didn't even bother, didn't even give that any attention at all. He just continued on to give the message that he needed to give because he was not going to be with the disciples for much longer. Now, Jamie Fay at our church last Sunday, he, he, he spoke a message about love. And one of the things that he said, which was just really, really powerful was that and I just want to get this right for you Jesus Jesus's love wasn't affected by their stuff so Judas had all this stuff going on Jesus wasn't affected by the stuff that was going on with people around him yeah. Jesus's love was affected by his stuff because he had the father's love and so no what no matter what was happening yeah. the love of the father was always going to come out and he wasn't going to have to chop or change depending on the circumstances that is, the, that is love in action right there. And Jesus' action of love did something that completely surprised me. He completely dismantled every plan of the enemy at that very moment. Because the enemy would want to come in and have, have some attention or have, some, uh, have a moment in this time. Yeah, and Jesus didn't highlight, didn't do anything. He just continued on and gave the enemy absolutely nothing. What Jesus did in that moment was he's changed the playing field. He turned the playing field around. And what God showed me is that our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It wasn't against Judas. It's against the principalities and powers of the darkness of this age. And so his action of love in that moment could completely destroy everything the enemy was trying to do. In, in nature, there's these incredible battles between predator and prey. And one of the greatest ones are a cobra and an eagle. Oh, I love eagles. And look, eagle could represent God and a cobra could represent Satan if you want. But on the ground, a cobra... That's its playing field. He has got footing, he can go around, he can go around rocks, he's got stability, he is able to attack and will most likely win in any battle. An eagle, on the other hand, has got claws. And on the ground, it's a bit gumpy, doesn't really move very well, not very free. So a snake is, has the advantage, and that is the snake's playing field. 
But what an eagle does, an eagle is smart and it will see its prey and it will look and go, oh, there's the cobra, and it will come down. It will pick a cobra up off the ground and lift it into the air. And in that place, a cobra has nothing. It has no footing, it has no ability to, to, to fight, to do absolutely anything at all. And then the eagle can do whatever it wants. It can attack it from any way. It can just drop it and let it land on the ground and stun it. And it wins every single time because the, cob because the eagle is able to change the playing field. And that is what love, love is war. And as we love like Jesus, what we are doing is we are changing the playing field. We are flipping it on the enemy and we are saying, you have no place, you have no right, you have no authority. In John 10 says, the enemy comes to steal, to kill and destroy division, offence, all those things are the enemy's playing field. He, will, he, he can play in there all we want and sometimes we try and fight in that place. No wonder we struggle to find freedom. If we can flip that playing field in the love, in joy, in unity, the, that's the place of abundance. That's what Jesus came to bring. That is the playing field of Jesus and that is what love can do. And that's what Jesus was doing in this very moment. He was changing the playing field on the enemy. And there's so many stories in the Bible about Jesus doing that. Darren talked about the Samaritan. There's an incredible story, as Darren said, they would go around Sydney to go to Wollongong. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, that's a two extra days on their journey. But Jesus, and that was, you know, that was 500 years worth of division because the Samarians actually had opposed the Jews in building the temple when they go home out of exile. So that was 500 years from then to when Jesus was on earth. So that division had sat for that long. And with one act of love, Jesus, and you might remember the story about the Samaritan at the well, Jesus stepped over all that offence, all those problems, and in one act of love, loved one woman that brought revival to the whole of Samaria and completely united the tribes again. One act of love. Can you see how that flipped, flipped the playing field and transformed the way that that whole community was? There's something powerful about that. In Corinthians, and we all know about that, Corinthians 13, the love chapter. You know, that's placed right in the middle of a whole church going through massive problems. And Paul is trying to address all those problems. And in the end said, I'm going to tell you a most excellent way, love. That is the most excellent way. That will, that will change everything that's going on in your world if you love, because love never fails. So... Impact the city. We have, as a, as a group, we've been praying and believing God and asking God what it is that you want us to do. And he's called us to activate our church into six months of what we call loving like Jesus. And we're going to activate you as a church to go on a journey with us to see what the love of God looks like in us as people and us as a community. And so there's three things that God has called us to do. And he's called us to love, and what we're asking you to love one person in the church that's outside your circle of influence. And what we want you to do is pray to the Holy Spirit and find one person that God says, I want you to love that person. And we want you to love them for the next 26 weeks and allow God just to work through that in your life. You know, if, if we want to love the world, we first got to start with one another. And if we can't love one another, how can we ever want to or expect to love the world? So let's start with one another because that's what that scripture says in John 13. Love one another as I have loved you. So let's start there. So we want you to find one person, and we've also written this book, and I'll tell you about it in a second, and the back of this book, the very last page, there's a place where you can write the name of that person, and we want you to write it there, and we want you to write about what God does. The second thing is we would love you to love one person outside the church, a pre-believer, someone that you get a heart for, and, God, and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to love this person for the next 26 weeks. And we want you to write that down in your book as well. And the third thing is that we've got this book that God has orchestrated. To be honest, none of us, when we started this, ever thought we would write a book or put a book together. It's just incredible that it's even here, to be honest. And God has completely orchestrated it uh, for us as the church. And so what we're going to give you all is a free booklet today that you can take with you, that you can go through over the next 26 weeks and allow God, to, week by week, teach us and show us and so we can marinate in this whole thing of love. So there's a couple of things about this book that are really significant. As I said, God brought it together and there's some things that he's highlighted that I would like to highlight to you so you understand that it's just not just a book that's been written, it's actually for us. And the first thing was action. The Great Commandment and the Great Commission have one thing in common 
It's about action. It's about go make disciples. It's about go and love. There's an action that comes with loving like Jesus or just being a Christian. He calls us to be his arms and his feet. He wants us to be that. So he's calling us to go. So this is an activation journal. It's not about what you learn. It's not about what you know. We can know all sorts of stuff. That's what God taught me. Because you knew a lot about love, but you weren't living in love. You weren't being love to the world around you. And I want you to learn that. I want you to investigate that. So this is about us as a church investigating what it looks like to activate love in our worlds. So action is number one. The second thing is that there's a vision that God has given us for this. And I just want you to imagine with me just for a second what it would truly look like if one person, just one person, truly understood and loved like Jesus loved in their world. What would that do to the world around them? What would that do to the community that they have in their world? What would that do to them? Well, Mother Teresa, she was given a a call of God to go and love the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. And when she left her church congregation and all the people that she knew to go and do this work by herself, they laughed at her and they said, who are you to change Calcutta? What are you going to do as one woman to do anything? And she said, well, I'm not. But what I am going to do is I'm going to love one person and I'm going to love them with all that I've got. I'm going to start with that person and I'm going to do it till the very end. I'm going to love them like Jesus. And that's what she did for the rest of her life. And she was someone who transformed the world around us. She didn't just transform Calcutta, she transformed our world. And she had kings, priests and presidents want to spend one moment of her time just to speak to her because of the incredible impact influence that she had because she, she dared to love like Jesus. Imagine what it would look like if a family or your connect group or your life group or what is it that you, you're in, if they truly got a heart and actually loved like Jesus. What would that look like? How would that change their community around them? Well, William Wilberforce is one of my heroes. I love William Wilberforce. He was a politician with an incredible anointing of God and he loved Jesus with all of his life. But he had a group of people called the Clapham Circle who worked with him. There's about 40 of them. And they dedicated their life to loving the community like Jesus would. And our whole 21st century culture can be earmarked by the incredible things that they achieved. Now, they abolished the slave trade, but they catalyzed that in the whole of the world. It took them 40 years, but they believed that was what God called them to do. But they did so many other incredible things because they dared to love like Jesus. And the impact they have had is impacting us to this very day. I want you to imagine what it would look like if our church community as a whole truly loved like Jesus. What would that look like as an army of believers together, arm in arm, if we marched together to love like Jesus? What could that possibly do? Well, Ruve painted an incredible picture, which you can see right here. Basically, the fire represents the church and the people have got a light of God and they're going out into the dark world. You know, there's, there's a dark world out there, but we're not under that darkness. We can change the playing field. We can flip that. And so Ruve painted another picture. You see, we have changed the playing field. We have flipped that on its head. The feet of the good news, like Satan is under those who bring the feet of, the feet of those who bring good news. So we can bring light where there is darkness. We can bring hope where there is hopelessness. We can change the playing field by loving, loving like Jesus. So I believe that if we as a church community would truly love like Jesus, revival would impact our whole world. We would see revival break out and we would see the enemy's darkness turn to light. It's powerful. There's something, and I never, to be honest, I never expected to come to this place that love is war. But that's what love is. It is a warfare. It is declaring war on the enemy and his schemes and saying, no, we know a better way and we believe in Jesus. So there's a couple of elements of this book that I just want to share with you. One of them is that the authors are 12, there's 12 authors and they're all coming out, they've all come out of our church. They've all come out of people in our church who have a heart and a desire to see us as his people have an impact. And so it's not someone else's written it, it's come from the very heartbeat of our church. And I think that's such an incredible thing that we're average people, we're nothing special, we don't have theological degrees, 
where we just wanted to do something and God put this together. So that's, that's one thing that's important to understand. The second thing is it's called loving like Jesus for a reason because love isn't a concept. It isn't a feeling. It is a person. And there's so many people out there that talk about love, but love is a person. It is Jesus Christ. It is God the Father. And we're here to reveal that. So we can love, but unless we love like Jesus, we're never going to see transformation in our worlds. Wow. We're here about impact. True impact and this is William Wilberforce, requires a long obedience in the same direction. Now, when I was looking at publishers for this book, I had several say, look, anything beyond four weeks, is not, no one's going to do it because our community, we're just so, it's four weeks or nothing. I'm like, really? We can't actually push through four weeks to actually do a program? They said, no, nah, four weeks is about maximum. Um, that's, a, that's really sad. That's America, though. I'm sure Australians aren't like that. Um, but William Wilberforce, I love that because, I mean, it took him 40 years to see the abolition of the slave trade. True impact requires a long obedience in the same direction. So we want to have, we, we felt of God to say, make this 26 weeks. That gives us enough time to germinate this in our, our spirits. And also, um, we want to have one week where we marinate on one thought. And so we want to activate that in our world. So that's why it's a weekly journal to activate that into us. Um, the seal that you see on the front there, that was, again, painted by Rouvay. So Rouvay did both of these paintings. An incredible woman of God. Is she here? Yeah. Is she out the back? Um, and so that, that, that Damien Cook, you know Damien. You love Damien. He's an amazing man. He's part of our team. And he had this incredible vision as we were praying one night. And he saw this seal. And you, we know that in John 13 it says, um, basically, you know, we, we'll be known as his disciples if we have a loved one for another. We are sealed as his when we love like Christ, when we love like Jesus. And so that, his seal is placed there to represent that, and I love that. Now, the other thing is unity. We're calling us as a church to do this activation journal together. So each week we want you to start this week, and each week we're going to do one week at a time. We want each person to be in step, to march together in unity. There's something that God does. He commands a blessing when we dwell together in unity. And so... As you go through, know that you're not just doing it by yourself. You are doing it with all the believers at Central and here at Northwest. We are doing it together as God's people. So if, and some people who aren't here, they'll just start at week two and they can catch up. But we want everyone to be in step. One of the important things is witness. We don't want to talk about knowledge. We want you to witness what God does through you. So there's a part of the journal. So you'll have, there's a thought. And then on the other part of the page, you can see it up there there's actually a part where you can actually journal. And we don't want you to journal what you've learned. We want you to journal what you witness God do in the thing that you do, whether you step out and forgive someone or whether you do some extravagant love for someone. What does God do in that moment? Write that down because we want to celebrate that and we want to hear those testimonies. We also want you to write some journals. So on week 13 and week 26, we're actually going to get you guys to actually do the same thing that we have done and write a couple of journals and put it down. There's something about writing it down that concretes it in your heart. And who knows? God might have another book that comes out of us as a whole church as we do that. You never know what might God, God might do. And we can post that on Facebook as well. And that's the thing. We've also got a Facebook community. We've got a whole lot of things, a whole lot of tips, a whole lot of podcasts, a whole lot of, a bunch of other stuff that's going to go around this whole thing. So we want to build a Facebook community as well. It's going to be a closed community, so it's only going to be us. And we can share things, talk about insights we're having. Um, and that's the whole point of that Facebook community, to build one another up and encourage one another and really love one another. And the final thing is if you want it, um, if you don't want a book and you'd rather electronically, we have a version um, on Amazon and you can download that for free for the next couple of weeks. And that will allow you to have it actually um, on, your, on your devices or whatever else. So thank you for your time. Um, we're going to have a little standout there if you've got any other questions. But we as a church, we're calling you to stand together with us, Central and Northwest, to march together as his people in one accord, with one heart. And that's what we're calling this whole thing is one heart. To see revival come in our own lives, but through our own lives to the world around us. So we would, we would love that for you to join with us and march with us as we change the playing field on the enemy. So if you don't mind all standing, I'd just love to pray with you.
God, we just want to thank you for your love for us. Lord, it is so extravagant, it is so wide, it is so deep. Lord, we cannot comprehend what that love looks like. But Lord, I just pray that you work in us and you work through us as your people, Lord. And as it says in Corinthians, I pray, Lord God, that our love is patient, that our love is kind, that we do not envy, that we do not boast, that we are not proud, that we are not disobedient, that we're not easily angered, that we keep no record of wrong, wrongs, but we delight in you. We rejoice in your truth, that we always protect, we always trust, we always hope, and we always persevere. Because, Lord, we know that love never fails because you are love. So, God, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing. Lord, I pray that we, as your people, will stand together in unity with one heart, with one accord, to love the world like Jesus loved. And Lord, I just pray that we are transformed from the inside out and that revival truly does come as we see you at work in our community and in the world around us. Holy Spirit, would you blow right now on every heart? Would you blow on every mind? And would your spirit truly just ignite something in every single one of us as we go forth from this place? We declare, Lord God, that you are Lord and that we're going to change the playing field on the enemy. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you. Good job, mate. Can I, um, can I just encourage you to see this not as a program, not just as something that we're, you know, yeah, great, we're going to go through the book for 26 weeks. This is really going to transform every part of our lives. It's going to transform our hearts, our motivations. It's going to be... And I just got a sense of God on this thing, you know? Like, this is, this is awesome. This is amazing. You're getting a book right now handed to you. The team's handing them out. And um, just saturate in it. Truly imagine what Simon, you know, what Simon was saying. Phenomenal. If we can learn and marinate in this thing for 26 weeks, can you Im imagine the impact on the city? Can you imagine the impact just in each other's lives? You know, just, just internally, it's going to be amazing, mate. But wow, just think of how many people are going to get saved because we're going to learn how to love, <laughs> right? You think you know how to love? This is a whole journey forwards in this whole area. God's just going to open, He's going to open the book to you. He's going to open up heaven over you. It's going to be like, what? I had no idea. I love I loved Simon, what you're saying about, you had no idea where it was going to end up. You, had, you didn't think it was going to end up here, but God took you on a journey. This is more than a book and a system. This is a, this is a journey forwards together that's going to transform us from the inside out. And this is what God has said. This is what I want you to do to transform the city around you. So awesome. I love it, mate. Thanks for coming over this morning, for revealing us your heart. It's a bummer that Damien and Simone are in Brisbane this weekend. I know they, they really wanted to be here uh, to celebrate and, you know, to launch this with, with you. But um, we're just going to pray. I just get a sense to pray right now over this, over this and over our hearts and over this journey forward. Because I know a lot of us have been in churches for a, you know, for a long time and you can kind of think this is just the next thing. I just want to shift that. This is not the next thing. This is the new thing that God is doing. We are not about the next thing. We are not about just going, oh, what, whatever's, whatever's coming up, oh, we'll just, we just have to add something to our calendar. I don't need another book to read. I don't need another thing to go through. I do need my heart transformed and I do need to hear what the Father's saying to me. And if the Father is speaking to us about this, how much are we going to be transformed by this? How much is your marriage and your family and your connect group and your street and your workplace going to be transformed and our city by this thing? by committing together to doing this. I love it. Holy Spirit, would you just put an excitement and uh, just a, a yearning to grow and to learn 
in Jesus' name in, into our hearts right now. I get a sense of that there's a, I don't really want to say it. I get a sense there's a level of fatigue around stuff that we do. But I want to declare and release grace over this in Jesus' name. God, I want to pray that we wouldn't see this as the next thing, but as the new that you're starting in us. This is like the beginning of a new journey. This is like the beginning of embarking on something fresh and alive, where the Holy Spirit gets to blow the wind of God over us afresh, that we can see people differently, that we can love people differently. Thank you, God, for what is coming. Thank You for the freedom that is coming. Thank You for the grace and the love and the people that are coming into Your Kingdom as a result. Thank You for the, the people that will be transformed because someone loved them as Jesus would have loved them. Because we are not empty vessels who are desperately trying to make a difference, but we are full vessels of the love and the strength and the power of God, just releasing what the Father is doing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.